sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to hour number two of a Monday Live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. All across the Spiz Grizz network as well. That's Sports Grid. I am Ben Stevens. Tons to get to here in hour number two of this Monday show. Continuing to look back on some of the action from the NFL Sunday slate. College football over the weekend as well. And then set the stage for Monday night football to round out week number four tonight in an NFC West showdown between the Rams and the Niners up in Santa Clara, California. But also a huge weekend in Major League Baseball. The final series of the regular season is about to start across the league today. It is October now, October baseball, playoff baseball, front and center. And no bigger series over the weekend than that in Atlanta for the National League East top spot and potentially that divisional title between the Braves and the Mets. The Mets threw out Jacob DeGrom, Max Scherzer, and Chris Bassett. The Braves responded with Max Freed, Kyle Wright, and Charlie Morton last night. Edge to Atlanta in a big way. The Braves sweeping the Mets this weekend in the A and now have a two-game lead in the National League East. Yesterday, a big win for the Braves at home. The Mets got up early, but Atlanta responds for a 5-3 victory Atlanta a huge huge win a huge huge weekend series the Mets entered with a one game advantage in the National League East they were minus 370 entering the weekend on the FanDuel Sportsbook to win this divisional crown now Atlanta with a two game lead in the division the NL East tiebreaker as well with just three games left in this regular season the Atlanta Braves that's an old number this has been updated on the FanDuel Sportsbook even that is substantial in favor of the Braves at minus 4,000. It's now minus 10,000 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Minus 10,000. The Braves end the season on the road in Miami against the Fish. The Mets end the year at home against the Washington Nationals. So technically the division is not entirely wrapped up just yet, but the Braves certainly in pole position. A two-game lead and the tiebreaker. That's virtually three games over the Mets with only three remaining and the reason this is so significant both teams are going to be in the postseason but it's about positioning because the Mets are going to have to play in a wild card series most likely against the Padres because they will be a wild card team and not the divisional champion and then that means to get to a National League championship series in the NLDS it would have to be the Mets if they even beat the Padres taking on the Dodgers and we see that reflected in the odds to make the NLCS because entering yesterday the Mets were in minus money the Braves were in plus money now the Dodgers are minus 210 to make the CS the Braves have the second best odds at minus 160 and the Mets now the third best price at plus 170 because the path is so much more difficult for the Mets now in a wild card spot as opposed to the divisional champions. As we go from the NLCS in the National League to the American League pennant, the Astros still the favorites at plus 150. The Yankees are 2-1. to one. Every playoff position has now been decided in the American League. The Cleveland Guardians, the other divisional champion. The Blue Jays, the Mariners, and the Rays 
in those wild card spots. The Mariners back into playoff baseball for the first time in 21 years. Hey now, hey now, hey now. The M's and the 21-year drought and back into the postseason. A welcome to our Sports Grid radio audience here the second hour of the morning after live on this Monday all across the grid. Sirius XM Channel 159 and all of our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the mix as well. One final week, one final series in Major League Baseball this regular season, now in the month of October. The first Saturday in October for college football was one week coined Separation Saturday here all across the Sports Grid Network. Significant games across the slate that would have huge ramifications for conference championship races and, of course, the hunt for a college football playoff, but also a huge Saturday and a shocking Sunday as well in college football. The news late last night as the Green Bay Packers in the state of Wisconsin were battling it out with the New England Patriots heading into overtime, the state of Wisconsin had some shockwaves. The Wisconsin Badgers have fired head coach Paul Christ. Paul Christ, who during his time at Wisconsin, this was his eighth season at the helm as the head coach, was 67-26 and 26 overall. That's a .720 win percentage. He won three Big Ten West titles at the helm of the Badgers and was 6-1 in bowl games. Expectations remained supremely high in Madison, but this was a shocking dismissal yesterday out of that Wisconsin football program. Paul Christ, now the fifth Power 5 head coach to be fired already following five weeks of this 2022 college football season. Also, refreshed rankings in the AP poll yesterday. A new number one team in the land, Alabama, back at the top. Georgia tested on the road in Columbia against Missouri on Saturday night, coming nowhere close to covering as a 29.5-point favorite, barely winning by four in a fourth quarter comeback 26-22 Alabama back to number one in the country after a big win on the road against Arkansas 49-26 covering as a 17 and a half point favorite but we'll ask pro football doc Dr. David Chow about Bryce Young the quarterback for the Tide who left the game in the first half you see there number 19 in the country the Kansas Jayhawks number 17 in the country the TCU Horned Frogs both ranked in the top 25 for the first time this year Kansas is a ranked football team they play each other this upcoming Saturday in Lawrence. The Jayhawks, a four-and-a-half-point underdog. We talk about all the injuries in football with Pro Football Doc up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here all the morning after on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 159. That's the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Spiz Grizz Network, that's SportsGrid, and I am Ben Stevens. A little bit more about our conversation from over the weekend with college football. Week number five, a significant weekend across the country. One of the marquee games, Clemson and NC State, a top 10 tilt. The Tigers take care of business at home in Death Valley. 30 to 20, the final score. Clemson covering as a six and a half point favorite in that matchup. Clemson in pole position within the ACC, as is the case for Oklahoma State. The Pokes go on the road against Baylor in a shootout 
and win outright as a one and a half, two and a half point underdog. They are now ranked in the top 10, actually moving up in the rankings, number seven in the country. And I would estimate it. The Cowboys have the best chance to win the Big 12, Big 12 Conference and to be the Big 12's best shot at a college football playoff. The rankings, once again, where you will see the Syracuse Orange back into the top 25 as well. My alma mater checking in. Kansas at number 19. Basketball schools in the top 25. The last time Kansas and Syracuse were ranked in the same AP football top 25 back in 2006, over 25 years since that was the case. We go back to the NFL, though, in the weekend of injuries and what we can learn from it with our pro football doc, Dr. David Chow, joining us here on a Monday on the morning after. See all of his insight and expertise each and every day at sixscore.com, S-I-C-score.com. Dr. Chow, thank you for joining us here on this Monday. Good morning, Ben. Good morning to you as well. And Dr. Chow, we'll look at what happened yesterday in the Sunday slate, what it leads to, but a big topic of conversation, of course, for week four of the NFL, the health of Tua Tungavailoa. And we got some news on Saturday from the NFL Network's Tom Pelissero that the NFLPA has terminated the unaffiliated neurotrauma consultant involved with Tua Tungavailoa's concussion check last Sunday in the game in South Beach against the Buffalo Bills. Dr. Chow, of course, we said this last week, the NFLPA's investigation still ongoing into what happened around that concussion check last Sunday for the Dolphins and Tua against Buffalo. What more clarity do you think we will learn when the results of this investigation are revealed to the public? Well, just because the UNC was not renewed. Look, there's a small pool of doctors. There's one for each sideline, one up in the box, so three every week. They're paid a stipend of about $1,500. They're like, the, the NFL and the NFLPA are free to change at any time. Now, was he terminated in some way for cause? Or there was some word that they didn't like his attitude as he was being investigated? Maybe he bristled at thinking he or she, that he or she was doing the right thing. Don't know. Yeah. So don't know. But here's the takeaway on this. If the implication is that the UNC did something wrong. And there's no indication of that. And the whole Twitter sphere and media audience that, that and players and former players and coach John Harbaugh that says that was a concussion on Sunday, that would mean his second concussion in four days. If you have two concussions in a season, forget four days apart, you're supposed to miss at least a month. So what's the fallout of this? We'll see on Tua. Now, it depends on his symptoms. There are other analysis, but this is a very touchy area. And last night, we saw something that was a little inconsistent. I'm not saying bad. We made a video of it at six score. It's up on my Twitter timeline. Cameron Brake got hit in the second quarter, was evaluated and returned to the game, and at halftime was ruled out. But as Sunday Night Football was saying, he's ruled out for concussion, and that's fine. You went back and rechecked and symptoms developed. No big deal there. But he was sitting on the sidelines. By rule, you can't be on the sidelines if you're ruled out with concussion. So there's just question marks that need to be right. cleared up. I think it's a great point, Dr. Chow. And I think that was a big takeaway from what we saw on Thursday night. A lot of questions out there in the NFL that need to have those answers. The NFL, the league office, and the Players Association agreeing to updated 
protocols for those concussion protocols throughout the league. Those went into effect over the weekend as well. As we focus on my my suggestion has been if a pool reporter is allowed to talk to the head referee after the game, why not allow one pool reporter to speak to the UNC or the team doctor or I get it. Their doctors are not comfortable answering questions and, and this and that. Maybe filter it through the NFL's chief medical officer. Maybe they're written questions. Right. Just some clarification afterwards. Now, I get the HIPAA concerns. If a player says, you cannot talk about me, fine. Then say, look, we would talk, but the player says, I can't. But if the player gives permission, look, we talk about their knee injuries and shoulder injuries all the time. How would this mm-hmm. be any different? That would just take away the cloud of mystery. And quite honestly, I think people would see what the NFL and the doctors are actually trying to do, and it would be positive. I think it's a really, really good point because Dr. Sills, the chief medical officer for the NFL, was going around and speaking in some media interviews on Friday afternoon and Saturday following what we saw on Thursday between the Dolphins and the Bengals. And he brought up some HIPAA things that he couldn't specifically discuss the process with these patients, but he was trying to explain what happens in these scenarios for that clarity. And if you have the knowledge out there to the public, it alleviates some of these concerns and at least the big questions that we have right now. Yeah. I love Dr. Sills. I think he's done a fantastic job, period, end of story. But here's more mixed messaging. First of all, he says he can't talk about Tua because of HIPAA. But when asked to follow up, was HIPAA, was Tua checked on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday? And he said, yes, that's a violation of HIPAA, technically. Right. So there's just mixed messaging is all nothing that not necessarily malfeasance. Yeah. And hopefully we get some clarity again as that NFLPA investigation is revealed and that information comes out to all of us out there that are concerned by what we have seen over the last week and a half or so. Dr. Chow, let's go to Sunday night football. Not so much with Cameron Brait necessarily, but just Tampa Bay in general. We saw the return of Mike Evans last night back from suspension. Chris Godwin, Julio Jones out there as well. It was a return offensively for the Buccaneers. How beneficial will it be for Tom Brady and company? It wasn't last night necessarily, but down the road here in the NFL season. Well, very beneficial. I mean, Chris Godwin didn't look bad. Julio Jones is on the return from PCL. They have Cole Beasley. Mike Evans back is huge. Look, you can't blame that game on Tom Brady and the offense. They put up 31 points. Now, admittedly, they were chasing. But if you put up 31 points, in theory, you're supposed to win the the football game. And the biggest takeaway last night was the Chiefs may have straightened out their offensive line problems against the Stout. Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. Of course, no Akeem Hicks, but that's sort of the takeaway there. 31 points for Tampa Bay last night. It was just the fifth time in Tom Brady's long 23-year NFL career. His team has scored 31 or more and lost a football game, over 120 wins in that scenario. Dr. Chow, yesterday in Green Bay, it was Bailey Zappi, the third-string quarterback for New England that tested Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and brought them to overtime. Brian Hoyer leaving the game with a head injury, and Mac Jones, of course, out with a high ankle sprain. What do you make of the Patriots' quarterback situation moving forward? Well, obviously, everyone's going to be very careful about concussions. No idea yet if Brian Hoyer will clear. And so there are questions for the Patriots. But there are more questions about the Giants. Tyrod Taylor left with a concussion. Daniel Jones, in our opinion, had a high ankle sprain, although mild. And he did, quote, return after Tyrod Taylor went down. But who's going to quarterback in London? An immobile Daniel Jones? Will Tyrod Taylor clear? Will Davis Webb have to get a passport? 
I mean, there are a lot of unanswered questions there uh, going into there, and there's a ton of unanswered questions at running back and linebacker for the Thursday game with Jonathan Taylor with maybe yep. a mild high ankle, Javante Williams, and then, of course, Randy Gregory for the Broncos, and Shaq Leonard with his concussion first day back from a back injury. So lots of things going on in the NFL. Like for Monday night football tonight and Thursday night football in the short turnaround, make sure to pay attention to the field view at sixscore.com, S-I-C-score.com. Dr. Chow, thank you as always for your injury analysis here on the morning app. More of the show up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Monday Night Football. Up tonight in Northern California between the San Francisco 49ers in the Los Angeles Rams, a divisional matchup within the NFC West that will have big, big ramifications for that divisional race even early here in week number four of this NFL season. Thank you for joining us here on this Monday live on the morning after on SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens. If it is Monday Night Football, we also need the prop perspective. So FanDuel's Tom Vecchio joins us now on TMA to do just that. Tom, before we get to Monday, how was your Sunday slate in the NFL? Thanks for having me. My Sunday was good. You know, some a little some hits and misses, but overall slightly positive, which I'll take as a win. Uh, I want to say you you dropped a ramifications in there. I don't know if that was a pun for the Los Angeles Rams, but I liked it. I'm ready to go. It was not, but now it will be. And please credit me if you say ramifications at all today, anywhere across the sports media landscape. So, Tom, let's look at the game overall and what it leads to in the prop market. The Rams, a one-and-a-half-point underdog on the road in Santa Clara, a total that's relatively small at 42-and-a-half. Last night's primetime game over, but eight of the 12 still under so far this season. And, of course, two player, or two teams and two coaches that know each other very well between the Rams and the Niners. What does that divisional duel do in terms of your handicap to the prop market when two teams know each other very well? Yeah, I would look back to the last few years or specifically when both of the head coaches, McVay and Shannon, have been there to look at some game logs just to see overall tendencies, uh, just some like high level trends to try and get an idea. Uh, I have no indication of the side I would want to take on this, but I would immediately lean towards the under. You know, we've seen a lot of unders this year. That's not a surprise. We've seen unders in primetime games. So it's actually a bit of a coin flip with a, a very close spread, but I would lean towards the under in what kind of could be, I want to say, a similar situation we've seen over the past few weeks where a game that's ending like 24 to 17, it's not particularly exciting. Uh, and that has me leaning towards unders on player props. Of course, these Niners and the Rams played each other three times last year, twice as you do as divisional opponents in the regular season and capped off in the NFC title game. The Rams getting the better of the Niners that day, advancing to the Super Bowl with a 20-17 to win. So two of the three meetings a season ago, hitting the under. San Francisco has gone under in all three games so far this year by an average margin of nearly 13 points per game. So let's focus first on the Rams offense before we flip it over to San Francisco. 
Cooper Cup, Triple Crown Cahooper, as we call him here, led the league in receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns a season ago. So because of that, Tom, his props are always going to be a high number. 93 and a half is his receiving yards total for tonight. When you see that high number, what is your approach on Cooper Cup? Uh, first of all, I immediately think that number is accurate. It's a player that can realistically go over, even if the game still hits the under, even if uh, Stafford hits the under on his passing prop. Uh, Cup is a player that's going to see a high target share that he could realistically get over in any single game, any single matchup. Uh, so I like the 93 and a half. The eight and a half, I would actually lean on the under on that, but it's got a lot of juice. I think it's at minus 150 or minus 160. Yeah. So him going for seven for 100, I don't think is out of the realm of possibility. Uh, I actually like Stafford's over on his pass attempts, as I usually do. It's super close, though. I haven't projected for, I think it's 36.4, and his line's at 35.5. So it's like it's a super, super tight margin, but the Rams are in the top 12 of the league for pass play percentage. So I, I think this is probably one of the most accurate games I've seen in terms of what I'm looking at, the lines, uh, you know, where the juice is lying. Like, this is a super, super close game tonight. And when you look at Cooper Cup, first two games of the year, targeted 29 times in total, over 100 yards in each of those first two games. So 93 and a half makes sense. In fact, you could say maybe it's a discounted number based on last week, only four grabs for 44 yards. A rushing score, though, last week for Cooper Cup. He had three receiving touchdowns in the first two games of this year, only minus 110 to find the end zone tonight so you mentioned it Tom when you look at Matthew Stafford and the ability to throw the football for LA oftentimes the focus is on Cooper Cup so where else do you look as a part of that Rams receivers room well it depends on what we're gonna be seeing you know I'm hoping that Allen Robinson gets a little bit more involved in the offense just from a fantasy perspective I think that you know we need to see they signed him for a reason like they they, they should be getting him the ball more I actually like Tyler Higby this year overall but specifically tonight I actually like the under on his receiving yards, which is sitting at 41 and a half. And to start the season, credit to Higby, he's been really efficient. And I should say, I like him long-term in the season, just not specifically in this matchup. So over the last two weeks, he went seven for 71 and four for 61 in terms of reception and yards. And that's really, really efficient. And while that has been good, I also believe in, you know, regression to the mean, and he should be coming back down to earth. Now against the 49ers, it's actually a really tough match because four out of their five linebackers and safeties are in the top 20 of their positions per PFF in terms of their grades. And San Fran has also been really good against tight ends to start the season, only allowing 23 receiving yards through the first three weeks. Now, granted, we have to take that with a bit of a grain of salt because they played the Broncos, the Seahawks, and the Bears in the first three weeks, three teams that aren't known for their offense and three teams that don't have explosive tight ends. So there's a lot going on with Higby. I do like him long-term. I just don't love him in this matchup because of the regression he should be seeing and what is ultimately a tough defensive matchup. And it's a competitive game, a one-and-a-half-point spread between divisional opponents that know each other very well. Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan know each other very well. And the total is still just 42-and-a-half. So as we look at the other side, San Francisco's offense, Tom, it is the second start of this year for one Jimmy Garoppolo. How does that change San Francisco's offense, and how does it change your evaluation of what the Niners can do in the prop market? I don't think it changes too much because we can just look back to last year. Really, we have a full sample size. We're, you know, over the past few years when he was right. with San Fran as the full-time starter, like, we have plenty of data to look at of what their play-calling tendencies are, what they should be doing. Uh, right now, San Fran they are 29th in the league in terms of pass play percentage. It's only at 46.56. It's very, very low, which is 
not a surprise. They're averaging 33.7 rushing team rushing attempts per game. So just because he took over this year and he doesn't have a lot of, you know, a lot of games this year, we have a full season last year just to look at and say, okay, what are we expecting from Shanahan? What are we going to be getting from Garoppolo? What are his averages look like? Where does he normally, you know, pass the ball? So I think it's pretty accurate of what you should expect from Garoppolo and ultimately where his props lie. And that means probably some unders. Uh, I like the over on Jeff Wilson rushing attempts because I think that correlates mm-hmm. with, you know, unders in passing attempts and overs in rushing attempts. The fourth highest rushing play percentage in the league for San Francisco, 53.4% of their plays coming on the ground. I also love Jeff Wilson in the prop market tonight. It's so interesting because it changes how we were going to evaluate the Niners this year with Trey Lance versus Jimmy Garoppolo, but it doesn't really change San Francisco's thought overall based on what we have seen in the past with Jimmy Garoppolo under center. And with Jimmy G or Trey Lance, Debo Samuel, of course, a huge component of that Kyle Shanahan offense, both with what he can do as a wide receiver and on the ground as a running back at times. So, Tom, when you look at the dynamic Debo Samuel, how do you handicap him in the prop market? I think you just hit on that point right there where he's getting some targets as he normally would as a receiver, and then he's also getting some touches out of the backfield. Like, they manufacture touches for him, whether it's normal passes, it's bubble screens, it's jet sweeps, whatever it might be, they're getting him the ball because he's ultimately their best player. Uh, he's been getting you know, about 10-plus total touches in the past two weeks. He hasn't scored since week one. He's playing on 79% of the snaps, running a route on 89% of the dropbacks, 26.6% market share. He's getting some red zone looks. He's getting some red zone rushing attempts. It's like he's checking every single box that we possibly want. We're getting him at a plus 120 for any time touchdown tonight. And the 49ers have a 22 implied team total. So about three touchdowns from them tonight, a player that should be seeing 12 to 15 total touches. Uh, I, I just think this makes too much sense because they want to get him the ball. They're trying to get him the ball in any single way possible. I think it's a really, really good point. Volume is a huge indication of how you can handicap the prop market. So the Tom Vecchio prop board for Monday Night Football between the Rams and the Niners is this. Debo Samuel to find the end zone, plus 120. Jeff Wilson over 15 and a half rushing attempts. And Tyler Higby under 41 and a half receiving yards. There it is, Tom Vecchio. We appreciate you gracing us with that each and every week. It's the final week. It's the final couple of games in the Major League Baseball regular season. So the home run prop king turns his attention to October baseball. Tom, how does playoff baseball change how you handicap and evaluate the prop market on a daily baseball slate? It's tough. Uh, I, I think the one of the easiest answers would be non-ace pitchers, unders on their strikeouts because – Anytime a pitcher gets in trouble, like we see them getting pulled super, super early. So if it's not Scherzer, it's not Verlander, it's not Kershaw, it's not Cole, it's not like uh, you know Max Fried, like any right. of these aces, the unders on their strikeouts are generally pretty popular. Uh, good contact hitters with low strikeout rates. I like to take their over on you know one and a half bases, two plus total bases, whatever it might be, because if they're just swinging for contact, put the ball in play, as every baseball player says in an interview after they have a winning hit. Like these easy, easy props that are like minus one hundred five or plus one hundred for hitters, and then unders on non-ace pitchers under on their strikeouts. It's a great point because there's not many games in a best of three series in the wild card round, best of five in the DS, best of seven in the CS. Every game is significant. Quickly here, Tom, only about 30 seconds left. 
Aaron Judge, plus 250 tonight for the New York Yankees. They hit a home run on the road in Texas. Will we see number 62 before the year is over? We will see 62. Today he's going up against Martin Perez. It's a good matchup. I have to look to who's also visiting tomorrow, but tonight is a pretty solid matchup against Perez. The home run prop king, a jack of all trades, FanDuel's Tom Vecchio, with us here on the morning after each and every Monday for that prop perspective. Tom, thank you very much for your time. Thanks for having me. We round out our segments with our guests here next on the morning after. Dave Sherapan joins us for some odds and advice on TMA. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Conciliary means advisor. Our sportsbook conciliary, Dave Sherapan, joins us here on the morning after on this Monday. Live all across the grid where you can see Dave Sherapan each and every day. But on this Monday here on TMA for some odds talk and some advice as we get you set for Monday Night Football. Looking back on the Sunday slate in the NFL, October baseball is now here, the final series of the regular season. And we're going to have to talk some college football as well following what we coined Separation Saturday here on Sports Grid. Dave Sherapan, thank you for joining us. Wearing an Atlanta Braves hat, I believe. My eyesight is not all that great here in the Atlanta Monitor. But yes, Atlanta Braves jersey as well? Yeah. Yes, yeah, we went full ensemble. uh, We're we're totally trying to distract. Uh, I wasn't really worried about you, but maybe some other of my coworkers here at at Sports Grid maybe, you know, maybe coming at me because – the, uh, I don't know if you've heard, the Jets beat the Steelers. And um, I did. it's yep. nighttime in Pittsburgh behind me. Born and raised in Pittsburgh. Um, the book has beaten out most of my loyalties to, to teams over the years, over the decades of doing it. But there's two things that uh, really just one left that I really hold true to my heart. It's that Penn State football team. I can't get enough oh. of them when they're good. We'll get to that in a second. But the Steelers beat the Jets, so. Uh, I mean, the Jets beat the Steelers. So, too, yeah. see, I just can't even help myself. Just it just comes out like, and right. and so everybody's had a field day. So I'm trying to deflect with the baseball ensemble. That's all. Right. Sorry. The Braves, a big, big weekend series, winning three straight. But let's talk. Let's start here and just rip off the bandaid, then share pan okay. with right. the New York Jets and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Because I have a question, not about your fandom necessarily, but about right. the odds market as it correlates. To young yes. Kenny Pickett. Yes, the Jets go on the road in Acrisure Stadium, went outright as a three-point underdog. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Yeah, yeah all of that. <laughs> 24-20 was the final score. But yeah. Kenny Pickett made his NFL debut. Kenny Pickett, despite yeah. throwing three interceptions, was yeah. 10 of 13 for a buck 20. Two rushing scores as well. And now, Dave, you can see it. The fifth best mm-hmm. price at 8-1 to one to an offensive yeah. rookie of the year. So if Kenny Pickett is the quarterback moving forward for the Steelers, what does that do for Pittsburgh? And then what does it do to the offensive rookie of the year odds market? Well, it's crazy, right? This was eight to one was the favorite, was the lowest price on yep. rookie of the year before the season when we talked about this. And I kept saying, I don't get it because he's not playing. And now he's playing. So do mm-hmm. you move the number because he's playing? 
I think that's the debate you have in the room. There's obviously a couple other guys right there between Olave and London and Pierce with better odds. I mean, lower odds. So I don't think you do anything. Going forward now, we got to see if he's going to play. I mean, right. the Steelers get Buffalo on the road. 14-point <laughs> talks. I don't know if this is the place you want to throw the kid in and start. I don't know. Only uh, Tomlin knows. And even then, I'm not sure he knows. So as far as the law, you know, numbers and stuff in the book and rookie of the year bets, I think it's a it's a wait and see. Like you're like, okay, he's playing, that's great. Maybe we'll take some more bets on him. His odds were already there. So minimal movement um going forward for the Steelers. I think it means um it's gonna be a rough season, Benjamin. Yeah. It's nighttime in Pittsburgh behind me. It might be nighttime in Pittsburgh on the Steelers season. Usually the pirate season ends by Memorial Day, the way things have gone. I never would have guessed that the Steelers season would be over by Halloween. But hockey yeah. season's coming. We got the Penguins. They'll be okay. That's that's fine. Three of the next four for the Steelers, Sherapan, on the road. This week, again, 14-point underdogs against the Buffalo Bills. Two or three weeks from now against the Miami Dolphins on the road. Yeah. And then against the Philadelphia Eagles on the road as well. The only home game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Have fun. Doesn't sound like a really good fun. run there, Ben. Mm. Not at all. No. Tough for a rookie quarterback, but hey, you spent a first-round pick on him. Might as well see what he can do. All right, let's focus on the Buccaneers. Last night on a Sunday, they have been a favorite in every game since the start of the 2021 season. The Kansas City Chiefs were booked as an underdog last night, Sherapan, for the first time since the start of the 2020 season in KC wins outright but my focus here is on the total for primetime games 12 of them now so far throughout this nfl campaign and last night in tampa only the fourth over so far is that a trend that you pay attention to that you think carries weight from primetime game to another primetime game um no i've been saying this for years um about the trends okay You got to be cautious about the trends and some of these historical trends, they drive me nuts. But I say trends are your friends until they're not. And then you can make the numbers say whatever you want them to say. This at least current trend of primetime unders, it's more than a coincidence, but I wouldn't say it's anything that you should reliably bet your money on. Okay. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to make of Tampa. We're in big time trouble. I mean, we're seeing like, I mean, this is the end. This is how these things end, right? It usually doesn't end with, you know, Elway riding off into the sunset. And these quarterbacks, Tampa just doesn't really stop anybody. And they aren't scoring. I'm surprised they put up 31 yesterday in garbage time. So there's a couple takeaways from that is that between that and Kansas City. How good is Kansas City? When Kansas City's on and Patrick Mahomes is on, that's an argument right there for MVP. That's an argument for number one seed. You know, um, another pretty good team in the uh, AFC is there. But now my question came out of this is, who's going to win the NFC South? I'm not so sure it's even going to be Tampa Bay. 
It's a good point, but the Bucs still tied for the top spot with the Falcons in Tampa Bay, still minus 340 to win the NFC ATL. South because the Saints aren't very good, and Carolina might fire their head coach before this year is Ooh. done. But you talk about the Chiefs. I would look at them as the more impressive side, and that's a bigger takeaway. KC's offense, yeah, it's still very good. Tampa's offense now getting healthier, and the defense will figure it out. They'd allowed only three touchdowns in the first three games, and then the Chiefs put up 41 last night. They'll be fine, though, and I still yeah. think the Bucks will be fine. But, Sherpan, the Chiefs being very good, and Patrick Mahomes now having the second-best price to win the NFL MVP, only behind Josh Allen, and they are only behind Josh Allen and the Bills in both the AFC title market and in the Super Bowl 57 odds as well buffalo coming back scoring 20 unanswered yesterday to beat baltimore yeah. on the road 23 to 20. now dave there is still a dollar and 40 cent difference between the chiefs and the bills in the afc two mm -hmm. and a half dollars of difference in that super bowl market how do you think mm -hmm. the risk room is evaluating both of these teams right now oh loving it this is great when a good teams like this that had preseason expectations are good this thing's on autopilot, man. This is great. Who's number three? That's the question. Bills and Chiefs are obvious. I need to figure out who's the third best team and maybe go get some money on them because right now, this looks like these two are headed for the AFC Championship. So go get me some money on the Ravens. Go get me some money on the Bengals. What? I mean, because it's not anyone else in the AFC South, is it? The Colts and the Titans? No. Um, AFC East, it would have been the Dolphins or maybe the Patriots, but all of those issues with Tua and the quarterback issues in those places. I mean, yep. Zappy's maybe the starter now. So, yeah, the, the risk group is doing just fine. We're, we're working on baseball odds right now. We're getting ready for the NHL season to start. We're talking about the NBA, maybe even Big Ten football. But we're not oh. talking about these two teams and where they need to be. It's clear one and two. Only a dollar and forty cents between Buffalo at plus two forty and the Chiefs at plus three eighty to win the AFC. Then a drop off of over five dollars to the Ravens <laughs> at nine to one with the third best price in the AFC. But the third best price to win the Super Bowl, the Philadelphia Eagles plus seven fifty, and the Birds are the Ooh. favorites to win the NFC by nearly a dollar at plus three twenty. So do you think the risk room? is getting money on Philadelphia. Are you buying what you have seen out of the birds through the first four weeks, the only remaining unbeaten team left in the league? Hell yeah, Benjamin. That's a good football team right there. Hell yeah. All right. When I was young, you know, I rooted for the other team in the state because right. I thought, well, wouldn't that be fun if there was a time where there would be a Super Bowl between the Steelers and the Eagles? Then I went to college with Eagles fans and thought, I'm never rooting for them again. All right, we met at Penn State, and that was a rough time. But now I'm back on board, man. I am back mm. on board. This is a good football team. They run the ball. They do their thing. They dictate the style of play. Defense is pretty decent, too. It's pretty clear that they are the best team in the NFC as of today. Um, and this second spot is kind of being fought for. I guess Green Bay is there. Somehow Tampa's still up there. They got to get right soon. The Rams and then who? The Vikings? Tonight's game? The Rams and the Niners? We'll yeah. find out a lot about those two teams tonight. Maybe. We certainly will.
We uh, we might. I think we will. In Santa Clara, divisional foes, familiar opponents, two teams and two coaches that know each other very, very well. But Sheriff Penn, you always want to talk college football, and you know that I am very glad to humor that in you. Right now, following week five, a term that we called Separation Saturday for how significant the games were across the Saturday slate, we see a new number one team in the AP poll in Alabama. Georgia moves yeah. back because the dogs do not cover as a 29 and a half point favorite against Missouri. <laughs> Tested to the last second by the Tigers. The Buckeyes do not cover as a 39 and a half point favorite against Rutgers, although they win 49 to 10. But we now see a three-way tie for the best odds to win a national championship in college yeah. football. Ohio State, yeah. Georgia, Alabama, all at plus 200. Now that we're in season, Dave, into October, conference action around the country, how does the approach change to betting the favorites in college football? Well, if you haven't bet them by now, the prices are getting better, so <laughs> you better grab plus money while you can. Um, yep. From the book standpoint, this is this is great. This is completely what we need, right? Three autopilots, Ohio mm -hmm. State, Georgia, and Alabama. Although Georgia really that was a big scare. I don't know how that even happens where they almost yep. lose a game now to Missouri that being a big favorite, but Alabama, they're playing different. They're playing different games, but who are we get in fourth? That's where we got to find this. we got to get what, you know, we just got to get mm. to the playoffs at Clemson. Maybe it might be. Is it USC? Are they going to continue this? Sure. It's possible. Now, if it's Michigan as the fourth, it's hard to believe that they don't beat Ohio state. And you got some other teams listed here, Utah, and I see that Oklahoma State and Tennessee and Mississippi. And the fact that Penn State's not listed there, I'm not taking mm. it personal, but you know what's going on in the Big Ten. There's a lot of things going on in the Big Ten. That other side, what the hell's going on on the other side of the Big Ten? I call it your side. What yeah. are they doing? The Big over? Ten West. Firing the Wisconsin A six-way tie for first what place. Every what team at one and one except for the Badgers. A three-time Big Ten West champion who is 0-2 in conference. Sheriff Pam, we got to have a college football show, I think, one time. I All think right, so. the morning Bye. after, up next, as we round out the show. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our two hours together here, live to start off this new week, now in October on the morning after, on this Monday on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. It's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM, all across the Sports Grid Network as well. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on this Monday, live on TMA. Week number four of the NFL season capped off tonight up in Northern California, in Santa Clara, to be exact, between the 49ers and the Rams two very familiar sides a divisional duel within the NFC West Sean McVay looks to snap a six game regular season losing skid against Kyle Shanahan the total for tonight is 42 and a half so we take a competitive ball game between two very familiar sides with a relatively small number for an over under and we use that game script to find a correlated market in the prop market for Monday night football between the Rams and 
and the Niners. So before we say farewell and before we say goodbye, it's time for a Monday night football NFL best bet. It is time for bye, bye, bye. Tom Vecchio of the FanDuel Sportsbook brought this up earlier. Jeff Wilson going over his rushing attempts prop tonight because of how often the Niners run the football, especially now with Jimmy Garoppolo under center. In fact, San Francisco runs the ball, the fourth highest rushing play percentage in the National Football League. 53.4% of the plays that Kyle Shanahan calls come on the ground. Jeff Wilson is the lead back in a busy backfield for San Francisco. His rushing yards prop tonight is 55 and a half. It was a number that caught me off guard. I bet this yesterday because I thought it was too small. 75 yards last week for the Niners, 84 the week before. Well over this number. And again, the volume is there with the Niners running it 53.4% of the time. So over his rushing attempts, over his rushing yards of 55 and a half and what we expect to be a great game tonight on a Monday in Santa Clara. The morning after, each and every weekday, live right here on Sports Grid, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern time. I'm Ben Stevens, and we'll talk tomorrow.